Hello again, this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. And Johnny, we're at Triplement here. We are here. This is uh, Tyler Whitman joining us. Tyler yes. Whitman. That's right. OMG. Yes. Oh, I'm this guy's rising. <laughs> this is Bravo's million dollar listing, Tyler Whitman. That's what I'm saying. Uh, have you heard? I have, yes. <laughs> have I've heard. heard. Congratulations. Did you Google That's me awesome. before you came? Yes, I looked you up just to make sure I knew what you looked like. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. And you, you've been in this business for about 13 years or so. Yeah. 14 years. Yeah. And you've had a really cool rise to the top. So to be fair, before we get into the markets, because this whole podcast is out what's going on at the markets and we're going to talk about that. Um, how did you start out and how did you, how'd you ascend like this? Uh, you know, I, I moved here from the South originally. Uh, I didn't go to college. I didn't really know. I didn't have a specific plan for my life. Uh, and I was waiting tables at Planet Hollywood in Times Square. And I got a sublet off a of Craigslist uh, with this guy who I'm very fortunate 13 years later is still my best friend. But he was a rental agent. And he was like, you should get your license and help me with some of my exclusives. Uh, and I did. And immediately I was like, oh, I love this. I was like, this is great. Uh, but I strictly was like in the rental world, um, really up through like 2010. So like the first right. four years of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was 2010. I met Phil and David, who are the co-founders of Triple Mint. And they were like, we should start this company together. And the whole time I was like, nah, nah. And I had just started managing rental agents at my previous firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, eventually it was October of 2013 when we really kicked this company off and, um, and I decided to take the plunge and come over here. But I was on the, it was interesting because I started as a rental agent and then I was a managing agent really from let's say 2010 to like summer of 2016. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you manage agents, you learn so much, yeah. right? Like yeah. when you're you just constantly... It. You see it all. Because all you, the complaints go to the top. Oh, yeah. 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 And so like right. all your job is basically to put out fires and find solutions for problems all exactly. day. Exactly, right. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. I was like, I know more now than I've ever known about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I want to... And honestly, we had been trying to recruit like a star agent at Triple Mint. And my secret thing was I was like, I was like, I think I could just be the star agent. Yeah, I'll just be the guy. I was like, I was like, hello, we're here. I'll do it. Now, can, you, can you just do that? You can just sign up, star agent, sign up. Is there right. a list that you need to get on to get on yeah. the star agent list? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I, no. I was on that list. <laughs> you have to, it's called, it's called believe in yourself. Because okay, <laughs> even yeah. if nobody else does. Uh, you know what? I just cool. got through a yeah. substantial weight loss uh, and I used that to tell a story online to be like, and I, I basically created this social media campaign of I've lost 200 pounds I'm going back to being an agent wow. and uh, and it caught wind and the next year I mean my business exploded almost right away right um, and then and I remember I started working with coaches right away and um, and then a year later I got million dollar listing I mean right. it all happened very quickly I mean f- it, within five years is pretty amazing yeah within five years I mean there are agents that work 10 15 years to get a business going on and, and, and you got you got you got a lot of skill three years you got, yeah. a lot, you, got a, you got a combination of a lot of great things here that came together it's really fascinating yeah you really Thank have you. you got all the you've got the rental side you got the management side now you got the sales listing side so and this you is a great really segue see, to actually you jump in managers the typically go back into the no, rental it's usually the other way around no yeah. I took a lot of slack when I did it people like even agents here we've we've gotten over it but it wasn't an easy transition it right. wasn't like people were like good for you people were like what <laughs> they were like this is not fair I tell you the, million, the, the star agent sign up sheet like, right I was like are. I was like you all had your chance yeah, I'm like exactly. nobody, nobody fulfilled the yeah, shit it. it's gotta step up alright great so so let's get into the meat right? right so so this is about extracting what you're seeing in the fields in the streets right now current knowledge what's happening when you look at the markets today what do you see 
everything's in the price. It's like you are only going to be successful. Uh, we will start by talking from the seller's uh, uh, point of view yeah. because you can be successful as a seller in this market. Mm-hmm. It's just some sellers have caught up to what's going on in the market mm-hmm. and some haven't. And, um, you know, and that has been... Um, the aha moment and now I have so many stories like I have an arsenal of experience of being like here are the sellers who've succeeded in this market and here are the sellers who failed in this market which which bucket would you like to fall into when I'm you know when I'm uh, counseling these people who need to sell their their homes you actually tell this story when you go on your listing pitches oh I always that's how I do all Mm -hmm. of my business I tell them about a story of a success story of somebody who was in a very similar situation that I've already worked with. Mm-hmm. That's my, always been my sales yeah, style. Man. That's my closing very style. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, you're just like Mr. So-and-so who I helped last month, and this is what that played out like. This is what right. it looked like. Um, you know, and right now, it's been interesting because half of my listings right now are listings that I pitched a year ago and didn't get because we couldn't agree on price. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people had to learn the lessons the hard way, yeah. you know, and so they were on the market for a year with another broker mm-hmm. at a higher price. They didn't get what they wanted. Um, you know, and for me, that makes my job a little bit easier to come in and be like, now we're... Now. I hate to be right. I know. I was, right. like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, are you ready to take my advice this time? Yeah, I was exactly. like, because, because well, they had to learn for themselves. It. They had to see it. Yeah. Some sellers just need to see it. They don't believe it until they see it. Totally. But like, I have a listing right now at the Sherry Netherland. It's been on the market for five years. Um, at It was priced, I'll be transparent, it was priced $500,000 more than what I'm priced at now, mm-hmm. which is, you know, 25% of the price. Right. Uh, and... Anyway, we priced it at 1.5, um, you know, and I got a contract signed like 45 days into being listed. Right. Um, and then I have a listing on the Upper East Side that was on the market for almost a million dollars more than what I'm listed for now. Mm-hmm. That was uh, sat, sat for a year with no offers. Right. Uh, they came on at my price. I've been on the market for a week. I have four offers and an accepted offer above the asking price. So still, if you're pricing correctly... Yeah, it's a transactional market. Things are transact- yeah. transacting. So what's transacting right now? Is it the new stuff is coming in priced better and that's transacting? Or are we going through this phase where all those aspirational, unrealistic sellers from six months ago, eight months ago, ten months ago are coming back around at different price levels and that's starting to trade now? I'm seeing that happen. Yeah. I'm also seeing... Uh, people are really starting to, in the new development side of things, so those sales that are happening, uh, those developers are really, you know, uh, they are throwing out a lot of incentives to transact. I I, I think Would you be willing to hazard a guess as to what sort of discounts you could get? If you throw all the concessions, price cuts, all that stuff in, what kind of... What, you, what kind of range? Not a specific number, but what kind of range? You know, I think... Um, 80% off? Can we get 80% off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Like, you don't even need to finance That's right. it. That's right. You name 20% down, That's right. and you get the whole apartment. <laughs> Just buy it on layaway. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I think uh, it really does depend on the price point. Obviously, the higher price points are getting the bigger discounts. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it also depends on if it's priced appropriately. That's what I'm really struggling with when I'm working with buyers in this market is because they keep reading all of this press right. that you get 15% off. And I'm like, that's not a blanket rule. Like, yeah. you get 15% off if it's overpriced, then yes. But, like, if something, like, uh, for instance, the example I just used on the Upper East Side. Yeah. If somebody came in trying to get 15% off of that, I was like, we have accepted offers above the asking price. Yeah. So it depends. You can't just give a blanket rule of, like, here's the discount that you get because this is what the market says. And, and that's the hardest thing to deal with is when you get those buyers and they have it cemented in their brain that they have all the leverage and, and that you get that one great listing that's priced right and you see the traffic and you know it's going to go. Right. But they're like, all right, I'll put a bid in 10% below, not 15 
15% below, but 10% below. Yeah. Some things will trade over ask. Even in today's market, some things will trade at full ask and over ask. Yeah. You know? And it's such a psychological game yeah. because one of the people who put in an offer on that unit, uh, came in and they were in love with the apartment. The apartment is definitely within their price range and they were they came back like three times. I could tell, I was like, it's a home, right? You yeah. do want this. Like you're gonna create memories here. They were gonna raise their family here. So like, I was like, there's a lot more yeah. than just, and they strictly did not want to move forward because they were like, we're not gonna do a deal if we can't negotiate in this market. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. even though I'm your favorite for the price, strictly because you don't, you have to negotiate. Like you just have to feel like you got a discount right. because of the market we're in. Now would you give them $100 off right there on the spot? <laughs> no, because I have $100,000 over the asking price. I think they think I'm lying. Right. That's the other thing. I was like, I have it over the ass. And like, well, well, we're still coming in with I just, our I just offer. Don't so, okay. well, can I let me dig, I'd like to dig into the pricing a little bit. So in this market, you know, you went and you made some big price cuts. Like, how did you determine sort of what that should be? I'm like curious what kind of tools you're using, what if you're looking at area comps, if you're just looking at sort of the, the psychology of buyers walking through the door, what they're telling you. Well, you know, so I always, I start with just the comps, right? Yeah. And so like, what does the market say that this should be priced at? Um, and then I look at the unique factors of the home. So one of the unique factors and one of the reasons I knew this place on the Upper East Side needed to go down, even though it's very special, it's very big, it's in great condition. Um, it's on the second floor. Mm -hmm. It has a beautiful old non-soundproof windows um, that would be hard to soundproof given the nature, but they're also what make the apartment so special and it's across the street from a fire station, you know? And so I was like, you are gonna have to be well-priced right. in order for people to right. transact on this. And it's hard to put a value. I'm like, what does the, what does the right. fire station do across the street? Right. What I do know is that anytime you price something to be a good deal, a good deal is always gonna be a good deal and the market will tell you where it needs to be priced. And fortunately with this one, that worked out exactly how I thought it was gonna work out. Right. Um, you know, let me ask so you basically, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So you basically price it at the market, people come in, and the market does its thing. Yeah, well, I look at the market now, and then sometimes I'm pricing a little bit below market, mm -hmm. also depending on where my sellers need, right? Because like if somebody, I have really two categories of sellers right now. I don't work with anybody who doesn't have real selling motivations in this market, because if you don't have a real reason to sell in this market, you probably shouldn't sell in this market, right? Right. right. Uh, so you have to have an actual reason to sell in order for me to take on the listing. Um, so you'll reject listings? Well, I, yeah, I can't spend, it's, it's so funny because I used to just take on listings because yeah. I'm like, it's good for the brand, right. you know, it's like good to have listings. Right, and right. You get some like, buyers, recycle the buyers. Right. Yeah. But in this market, because we used to be in a market where you could kind of throw out an aspirational price and like 60, 70% of the time you'd get it. Right. Um, you know, now it's, uh, it can just end up mm -hmm. to be an embarrassment because now you have this overpriced listing that everybody's rolling their eyes at. Right. And even though I'm always transparent with the seller, I'm like, listen, we're not going to get that much attention at this price. They forget that conversation three weeks later and right. they're like, you've got no showings. Like right. you, and all of a sudden I look like the failure. And I'm like, right. I'm, I'm too busy to be looking like a failure because you're not realistic with your price. I, I'm just curious about the sellers. Like the sellers that you're seeing and you're going on listing pitches for, um, <clears throat> are, are they starting to get it a little bit? Or is it mixed? Are people still aspirational? It's, uh, they're starting to get it if there are also buyers in this market. And that's how I've learned to play this market as a real estate agent, mm -hmm. is I have to go get them excited about what they can upgrade to, mm -hmm. and like where they can put this money and where they can make the next step. Yeah, they sell a vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have to, but also going out there, they're like, oh, like if this is what I can get for five million, of course my apartment's only worth two or three million, I you see. know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, it's great. Yeah. So do you do you rank, I don't wanna say rank, but when you, when you, 
look at your sellers. Do you think that the sellers who are moving up are sort of the more motivational sellers? It's easier to get their place sold versus the people who are, say, maybe they're retiring and they want to go to North Carolina or something like that? Or Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if people, um, you know, growing families always have real needs, real motivations, yeah. right? So that's a huge portion of my business. Um, we also have people who... Um, had pied de here. That's mm-hmm. a, another huge portion of my listings right now who are realizing that um, the market's just not doing well up here and they want to get their money out of it while they can. Right. Um, Plus and, that, that talk with pied de tax is not helping those. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. been, um, it's definitely been, those are probably like my two biggest motivators. Also, I just have people like, you know, because I started as a young agent in this business, a lot of my earlier clients were people who were in kind of like my age bracket mm-hmm. who have now gotten some more successful spots in their career and they're ready for like their their big fancy home, right? right? And they're just like that to me, like that's what I'm motivated by. Like I'm buying my first apartment right now. Right. And like it's it's scary, but like my motivation is like I'm ready for my upgrade. You know, right. like I've mm-hmm. I've made some significant strides in my life and I think that's a real reason to to make this an is upgrade. A, well, this is a great upgrade market. Now. And yeah. I think it's I think it's a great time to, to buy, quite frankly. Again, yeah. the, the hit has already happened. I think things are already priced in and the policies have already all changed for the negative. Um some of them may get scaled back, we don't know. But again, the, the hit has happened. The market is down. You are getting deals. Buyers yeah. have leverage. You came into the market right at the peak, like right after the peak, 2016. Yeah. You started transacting yeah. from, from managing. Yeah. I mean, the market was already kind of starting to oh, turn yeah. down a little bit. Do you see any difference between back then and, and now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, now back then I could feel it slowing down. I right. could feel it like rapidly slowing down. And nobody in the market, especially on the sell side, was accepting that as a reality. Yeah. Um, they always take time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that it was much harder Denial. then. Right. Yeah. Now that, the, you know, uh, media, love them or hate them. Like, I'm just like, you don't believe me? Turn, turn on That's the TV. Right. You know what just it was, turn you know, on the TV. You know, that mansion tax that we had, you know, everyone is saying, because the Q2 went, had a huge spike. In Q2 in 2019, it said the market was up 25% from the mansion tax. And then in Q3, it said it's down 25%. Yeah. It was all the mansion tax. None of that really happened. I think we probably moved 3% in the right? last year. Like, yeah. we're basically flatlined. Totally. Yet, yet these reports. And everyone's saying, you know what? Thank God for that, for that Bloomberg article. Thank God for the New York Times article mm. that says we're crashing because now my sellers are finally listening. Yeah. You found the same thing? Yeah. The media effect? Yeah. Me- the media But they didn't listen to helped. you saying it with no. the data. No. They needed They needed they to hear it in the mass, in the mass yeah. market. Um, you know. Just come here. Come to Talk in Manhattan Podcast. You'll get That's it right. all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask yeah. you some productivity, agent productivity um, ideas. Um, let's say I'm an agent and I actually have good business. I, my business is growing, right? And mm-hmm. I find myself, I don't have enough resources to handle this business. I need to grow a team. Right. How would you approach that person that's now beginning to grow a team for the first time? Is there anything you would tell them now that you run this team? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've, learned, I've learned so much growing a team, and it's probably even more so than the – I mean, we had a very good year last year. Our year this year is off to an insane start. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, like, I really do think that I've done a great job cultivating the best team culture, mm-hmm. uh, the best talent. So culture, um, talent. Culture and talent, but one of the biggest lessons I learned right away and what was hard for me and was actually a a piece of advice from Mr. Eric Barron was he was like, when you were growing a team, he was like, you look for people who are good at what you're bad at. Right. You know, so, yeah. 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 And it's so, especially for me, I'm like a big, fun personality. Right. I typically like to surround myself with other people like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I probably need a boring some... guy. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's an interesting a philosophical question because yeah. you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? What am I bad at? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like who who likes yeah. to answer that question? Oh, I know. I, Gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm bad at this. It's the it's one of the first steps. If you, I think everybody needs a coach, no matter your personality oh. type. I think you need a life coach. I think you need a business coach. Interesting. And it's one of the things that you constantly. Any work plugs on. you want to give there for for business coach? I mean, I've been with Tom Ferry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my life coach is also uh, she gives great business advice. Uh, Vivace Max Victor. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. we know Vivace. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been my life coach now for three years. Uh, I give her the majority of the credit for everything that mm-hmm. I've, I've learned and applied over the past few years. Right. Um, so with them, you know, uh, analyzing like what your strengths are and then just multiplying on that mm-hmm. and then surrounding yourself with people who are like, like, so what I'm really good at is I, I always say I'm the rainmaker. And so I needed to find people with mops mm-hmm. because like, you know, like, am I good at following up? Am I good at like, uh, executing? Like I'm good at going out. I'm, I'm the business development guy, right? right? Like I bring in all the business and then I need to surround you're the, you're the face. Yeah. 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 And like, it's also what I really, that gives me energy. It's like what I thrive on. I love going on listing pitches. I love meeting people. I love networking. Right. Um, so when I was growing a team, I was like, I need to find Basically, people who love data, who love to track and record uh, the, all the things. I was like, that's a nightmare for me. I, right. uh, looking at Excel, I'm like, you know, I don't know any <laughs> Excel formulas. Right. Um, so that became a priority. Um, and then just making sure I had a lot of diversity on the team, gotcha. um, you know, from everything from cultures and ages. And, um, you know, I, I wanted I want to make sure I have somebody for everybody because, right. you know, we're definitely in a mirror industry. People want to work with people like them. Right. Um, and so I want to make sure that my team is able to speak to the largest audience possible. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that was that was huge for me. But yeah. having a really good operator, somebody who is just yeah. like I have Bailey on my team. What do you mean? What do you mean operator? Somebody who their full time job is to run the business, to make sure all the contracts and all the paperwork are buttoned up, like things that I didn't realize how bad I was at mm-hmm. until she came in and like I can get anything I need in two seconds on my phone because of the way that she set it up. Gotcha. And so uh, you know, like if I'm in a listing, like we have a fact sheet for every listing, and it uploads to our Google Drive, which we can answer on our phone. Right. And so you know, like anybody can fill in for anybody. Uh, we just have so many systems and processes. Right. Um, Seamless network and everyone's sharing all the data. Uh, everyone's in on everything. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 most people don't have that kind of setup. No, yeah. no. And then like we've also, she's built out all these spreadsheets so we can see how many deals everybody's closed. Uh, we track all of our competitions. We track the amount of phone calls that we've had in a day, the amount of appointments we've had in a day, the amount of buyers. Agents are not doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most agents, I mean, so if they're Forget watching. agents, I think a lot of firms aren't even that. A lot, of teams, are, a lot of teams are not doing this. If, you, if anyone's watching this, this you're, you're creating a greased machine. Yeah. Okay. So you can go to Italy. Yep. And go hang out and do your thing, and your machine is just working. Exactly. It's operating. Exactly. And you can't I mean, have the face in Italy. You got to have the face here. You know, unless you I put the face on the internet. I'm saying, for, I'm saying <laughs> so, for three okay. weeks. Yeah, but let me let me ask you about that because the face on the internet—that's a great thing, and I think social media probably drives a Huge. large part of your business. But there's a there's a generation of agents who did not grow up with social media who are now sort of trying to dip their toes in it, and it's it's not a they're not fluent in it. Yeah. So is there any advice you'd give to sort of the, the crowd? And I don't wanna I don't wanna release any specific ages, but they know who they are. Right. Who are not familiar with say Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, these kind of things, and just sort of putting their life out there in a way that drives business. And I'm gonna ask the uh, uh, devil's advocate question is is it all necessary? Yes. Right. So the answer to that is a hundred percent yes. Okay. Uh, for those people so, that are like, ah, I don't wanna spend the time on it. Okay. So the the trick to social media is video. 
Nobody cares about your pictures. Nobody cares about anything. Nobody cares about your open houses, your price cuts, your uh, contracts, your souls. Stuff like that, but tell them about it in a video. Like, I love going on my Instagram story and being like, hey, like, I'm in this listing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever's going on with it. We just we just listed it. We just reduced it. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, we just got an offer on this. Whatever the story is. Um, but people connect with people. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like, I can't tell you how many times in, early in my career... I wrote what I thought was a very professional, lovely email, and then people respond, and they're like, you know, I don't understand what you're so upset about. And right. I was like, I'm not upset, <laughs> you know, but, like, but yeah, but if you just send, so I send uh, audio messages to people all the time, like, I just want to make sure they hear my tone, and like, nothing is messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest trick for me, and there's so many knockoffs of it now, and I'm flattered by it, I think everybody should do their own version of it, but I came out with Whitman Wisdom. Um, there are 60 second videos. I do have them professionally done. Awesome. Uh, comes out once a week. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I don't think people click beyond. Mm-hmm. So when it goes to um, the IGTV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have these 60 second video series. Comes out once a week. And my business has exploded. It costs me. The investment is about four grand a quarter. Uh, so it does cost me about sixteen grand a year. Uh, I probably brought in seven hundred thousand dollars of GCI on it last year. Unbelievable! Um, and you can track that. You're you're keeping track of how this. So basically, what one of my uh, uh, original Tom Ferry coaches used to tell me that always resonated with me mm-hmm. is that social media is to brainwash your entire sphere of influence. That they have a chemical reaction that anytime they hear anything real estate a picture of you pops up in their brain, right? right? right. And so, like, I don't think anybody's actually... Nobody says, I, you know, episode three of Whitman Wisdom really spoke to me, so I thought I should call you. Mm -hmm. But they see me constantly posting these videos. It's like the old postcard game. It's just just numbers. Like, you get that postcard day in, day out. It's like, oh, you pick it up. Oh, there's Tyler again on the postcard. And you don't think about it, but you think, oh, I got to sell. Who do I know? It's a subliminal message. I know this going. I know the But it's easier because when you're doing it on social media, these are already people who know and love you. You're just reminding them what you do, so they're already your fans. But it also sounds like... Postcards are to strangers. Yeah, but it sounds like the ones you're doing, like the in contract, that kind of stuff... It's casual. It's like you whip out your phone and you just take it. There's no okay. professional. It's, so I think a lot of people have to cross that, kind of cross that boundary to actually mm-hmm. think of themselves as kind of just letting themselves be casual, like unprofessional. It's just me. Here I am. Yeah. I mean, the word that always comes to mind with me when it's social media is you have to be vulnerable. Like vulnerable. That's only it. only a third of your posts should be specific to real estate. Two thirds of them should be telling people who you are um, and you know what you've been through and what makes you you and what makes you unique and what you think is people react to people we're human beings you know we want to hear stories about each other yeah we were just talking about this before we're getting towards the end here we got the last couple of questions that we have to do but one question I want to say these guys are these agents are going on listing pitches okay right, they're competing with guys like you yep okay they want to win of course okay I'm rooting for the little guys (laughs) I want to share the wealth (laughs) What, what tips I mean help these help agents out is there anything when you go on a listing pitch do you find one or two things that you find, oh, that really just helped me win this pitch. Yeah. That you might be able to tell people. Yeah, yeah. So my, my style has always been uh, I use stories to sell. I use stories to close. Um, because if you just go and you talk to anybody about, of course, you want to tell them some success stories and how you do it and how you're different. But that's what everybody's doing. You know, you always want to liken what they're going through to something that you already succeeded at. Mm-hmm. Because people connect with this story and... Um, 
I'll give a great example. I was on a listing pitch last week. I won't tell you guys where because I think I'm going to get it, but I have not been hired yet. Um, but I walked in. This woman's been on the market with a, um, a much bigger firm than where I work at now uh, for the last six months. She didn't get any offers. And I really, really want this listing. Um, and it's an almost identical story to a listing I have on the Upper East Side right now where they were on the market with a much bigger firm. When they were switching from there, they were hesitant to go with me. So, of course, you know, my, my objection handler there is always like, well, you already tried the big firm, you mm-hmm. know, and you didn't get the result you were wanting, you know, I, and then I go into like what I do differently. Uh, anyway, my strategy up there worked. I'm, you know, I have multiple offers in the first week. And so instead of just telling her how I'm going to get multiple offers, I'm now, instead of trying to uh, just go through process with her, I'm telling her the story. I'm like, listen, I have this, I have this client right now. I pull up the listing on my phone. I showed the listing history. I was like, you see, I was like, it was on the market for a year with this brokerage that you've already referenced. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've taken it on and then I pull up my emails and I pull up all the offers and I'm like, I've been on the market for a week and these are the results that I've gotten right you know and so going through and sharing like a real life experience like a real story because people are like people don't connect to systems and processes Mm -hmm. but you can use a story to make people think like oh I want I want that to be my story too you know and that's always what I'm thinking like I'm going to tell them a story that either I want that to be them or I use the same thing like we're not agreeing on price I'm like let me tell you about this person I wish I'd really put my foot down harder because uh you know we came on Overpriced. We didn't get any traffic. They were right. really disappointed. So you're, you're giving a description of the road. This is the journey that you're about to go on. This is what happened to this person, this person, and this person. And yeah. it, it didn't end the, the way they wanted it to. Yeah. So it's be cognizant of it. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Final thoughts. Buyers, sellers. What do you think for buyers out there? Buyers are on the fence. They're not sure. Market's going down on the 5%. No, I'm sorry. Buyers need to triple down right now. Yeah. Like you need to, if you are in a position to buy property, this is the time to buy property. Right. Um, You know, one of my favorite quotes is, you don't time when you buy, you time when you sell. Um, You know, and that's always something that I try to teach everybody that I work with. Yeah. Um, And sellers. Um, It's a tough, it's a a tough time to be a seller. There's no way to sugarcoat it. I always make sure when I meet them, Mm -hmm. one of the first things I say to a seller is I was like, you know, what is your plan for selling? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a real reason to sell, this is not the market to sell. Right. And that's how I open that conversation. Um, because honestly, if they don't have a reason to sell, right. I don't want the listing. Right. <laughs> like, no, I'm like, this is yeah. not a market where your dreams are going to come true as a right. seller. Right. I have to make your dreams come true with what you're going to do with the money after. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. as long as they know what's going on. Like, sellers need to know that this is not a seller's market. Right. This is a buyer's market. I don't know if it's it's the lowest point of the buyer's market. I happen to think mid mid last year when those rent regulations came out, um, I think actually may have been a little lower. I think we're actually picking up. Yeah, you buy th- you buy the news. Sell yeah. the number, buy the news. Yeah, there yeah. you go. January's yeah. been crazy. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is, is your is your crazy. business active? December, November, December, January. Did you see an increase? Yeah. So okay. last year, my team sold 39 oh. apartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, uh, we have 27 apartments in contract. Wow. Um, and I was just like, is this uh, bonus related by any chance? Is that people get their bonus because market was up what the stock markets were up what what almost 30 percent over the year i'm wondering how much of his wall street bonuses come into work they haven't even gotten out yet yeah i don't think they're getting them until february right but the, they may know about it they know about yeah. it yeah um you know i believe that the majority of our market right now is psychological and what the stories that people are telling themselves about what's going to happen in the future because none of us actually know what's no, going to no happen right um you know, I, I hear all sorts of stories right now. Like a lot of people think the stock market's about to tank, so they want to get their money out of it now and buy real estate while real estate's low. Um, I'm kind of loving that story because it's good for the real estate market. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, if the stock market tanks, the real estate market, well, yeah, yeah, you know, go so, that's my that's my biggest fear right now is that the the, the stock market's going to just do its thing and then. 
that's it. It's going to pause us out for a while. Yeah, and yeah. election years are tough. Exactly. You know, it's a tough year. Out of those deals that you did, any at ask, full ask, or above? There was a couple, you said, right? Uh, a couple. A couple. Okay. Um, and the majority of the stuff that I'm on the listing side of um, has been within a couple percentage points. I mean, we've had to this do is great. This is, this is great. All right, so within a couple percentage points. So they're not going down as much as they no. might have. No. And what about on the buy side? What kind of negotiability would you, if, you, if you're meeting it out, how much would you say percentage were you able to get down? Um, you know, I would say above two million. I'm typically seeing five to ten percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, below two million, sometimes we've had to go to ask. Um, you know, but two depends. to three percent. It just depends on how well it's priced. Awesome. Yeah. This is great stuff. This is awesome, Tyler Woman. Thank you so much. We're at Triple Mint. This is Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Awesome. That's great, guys. Great.